Okay, well, we're up to session eight now. Um, and what is this all about? You guys should be able to read all this yourself by now, or at least know it by heart. We're called to live our normal lives radically. Our values are just as radical today as when we first discovered them. So this series is about rediscovering, reapplying those values, and we've got permission to deconstruct and reconstruct those expressions. So over the, the previous eight sessions, uh, these are some of the things that we've looked at. You're familiar with them all now? Okay. I have a little, I can press the play button there, should I do it? Okay, honesty, the hardest word. Okay, so we're looking about transparency. We're looking at integrity today. That was Billy Joel. If anyone's a fan, Gary's apparently a fan. Okay, so that was for Gary. Right, something different today. A puppet show, please. Nice tie he's got on today. Yeah, better than last week's with an egg on it. Hey. I saw Mrs. Elephant last night in Romford, coming out of that nightclub fiction. Oh. Yep, and she was with Dr. Rhino. They were looking very friendly too. And was Mrs. Rhino there? Well, I didn't see her. I just saw the two of them getting into a taxi. Is the way we ties our pagan understanding of finding the will That's of God. That's funny. I noticed I they were sitting it, together the at the prayer meeting last Tuesday. Well, they are in the same development group. Let me stop you there, guys. Sounds a bit like gossip to me. Think the best of people, eh? Hey? Did you hear something? Coming. No, Dr. Rhino, then today? Oh. <laughs> okay, so integrity, looking at the way that we speak behind people's backs. Is it the same way we'd speak in front of them? Are we living out what we believe in terms of building up, challenging, confronting when we need to? Or are we living a lie? Okay, we've got a scenario for you here. So this one is just talk to the person next to you. Um, obviously, we've had to um, uh, hide the names of the potential guilty ones in this, in this one. So April... It's a very charismatic and persuasive character, but she finds parking signs confusing and regu regularly receives parking tickets, but she's also learned how to appeal them and see them overturned. One evening, she rushes from work to visit a church member at hospital. She parks in a section which she thought was probably wrong, but didn't want to find out for sure. 
When she returned to her car, she had received a £40 fine. She hadn't budgeted for this, but she also saw that parking officer had not entered the date, so knew that she could appeal and get the ticket overturned. Is it okay for April to appeal against her ticket? So let me just give you 30, 30 seconds to talk to the person next to you, and we get some answers. Okay, right, let's, uh, let's, get, let's get some thoughts on that one. Okay, Luke, let, let's, let's hear from you. What, what thoughts do you have? Is it okay for April to appeal the ticket? It's not okay because she, she thought it was wrong, so she shouldn't have done it. Okay, all right, so she thought it was... Anyone want to offer a different opinion? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to hear Ken's, Ken's answer here. <laughs> it is totally immoral for hospital management to charge uh, <laughs> members of staff... <laughs> To park in the hospital, and their view is that everybody is doing it. Okay. All right, so, so it's okay on a basis that you don't agree with the rule in the first place. Anyone disagree with that <laughs> argument? Okay, Lucy at the back. Well, in the NHS, record-keeping is very important, and not to put the date on a document, it actually does render it invalid. Okay, so you think it's part of teaching the NHS a lesson? Okay, all right, so it's about their good, not about your good, okay. Um, Paul? I think it needs to see the bigger picture. Having witnessed someone very similar to this and their laissez-faire attitude to uh, parking, I think you need to look at the deeper issue of why they would risk a £60 parking fine for uh, saving themselves a 100-yard walk. Okay, so we're looking at, at deeper character flaws here, deeper issues, okay? Um, Josiah? Well, you see Avril, I mean April. <laughs> um, she, she was obviously in a rush, so she probably wouldn't have time to check it. I mean, it's a fellow church member, so they're probably quite close, but she still needs to learn parking signs, you know, afterwards, afterwards. Okay, so she, she should accept the penalty... All right, let's see it. See it. If you could appeal and get it overturned, put your hand up if you'd do that. Okay. If who wouldn't do that? Okay. There's definitely a majority in appealing and getting that one overturned. Okay, Kim, what, what's your thought? Working at five different hospitals. They're not run by the hospitals, they're run by a different company. So, so what, what's your, what are you saying? <laughs> You've got to pay it. Okay, all right. Um, thank you very much. I've never had such a divided scenario. Um, I think it was, it's good to get kind of our opinions and our thoughts. I didn't hear anyone really bring a biblical basis to any of those arguments. Which is, which is interesting. But you remember that's the question of this series, what would please him? And going back, there's not a clear scripture to say pay your parking fines. I don't know if there was in the early days if you put your donkey in the wrong place or quite how it, how it worked. So um, 
what do we do when it's not clear like that in the scripture? And that's really the whole issue of integrity. Um, we, um, you might have noticed in the puppet show we had the, the bird as a kind of Jiminy Cricket character. And we talk about gongs, which we talk about when you're doing something wrong, or you, you hear this dong, there's a kind of a warning, a Jiminy Cricket saying, this, you've now crossed the line inside your own decision-making process. And so that's quite important when we're talking about um, integrity because you can easily make a law that isn't in Scripture and then trying to apply it to all. That's where we've got to be aware of this conscience that God gives us to help us navigate the decisions that we've got. Okay. Paul, you're going to come teach us today. Good. Right. Um, by way of transparency, although I said what I said about April, I did put my hand up. I probably would uh, appeal that ticket. <laughs> um, right. And uh, by way of integrity... Noah helped me with this PowerPoint, so if there are any errors, um, you can deal with him, not me. Right, let's look at, to begin with, we've got um, the dictionary definition of integrity, um, the one that I found. There are two definitions. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, and the state of being whole and undivided. And I think we need to bear in mind both of those when we're talking about uh, integrity in the kingdom, really. Um, I don't think we can have one without the other. I think we need to think about the, the whole being and the whole thing that we are. If we look at Psalm 15, I'll just read that through. This talks about the Psalm of David talking about um, how we should be. Um, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbour and casts no slur on others who despises a vile person, but honours those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. I think that's really quite a, an all-encompassing um, few verses about what we should be like, and it really does speak about integrity, about not uttering slander, about not doing wrong, um, particularly... Um, I think keeping an oath, even when it hurts. You know, when we said something and maybe there's a particular cost to us or maybe a cost that we weren't expecting when we made that, that promise. I think that's really interesting um, about how we should be. Uh, this is Noah's little uh, Google image search on integrity. So I think there's a couple of interesting things there. Um, I think if we put... A, I was talking with Noah, we put a few things up because sometimes different things just, just catch your... <laughs> your interest or catch where you're at uh, differently. They're quite sort of different things or different aspects of integrity. C.S. Lewis said integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. That might be something that, that you think, oh, I've never really thought about that before. Does it really matter? Uh, we know that when no one's watching, there's still someone watching, don't we? Um, the bottom right says about it's the choice between what's convenient and what's right. And again, that speaks about that... Um, you know, there is often a cost to our integrity, a cost to us being honest. Sometimes that cost is just a risk, and it turns out, okay, I know there's a time at work when my boss said, oh, if so-and-so asks about a shift, tell them it's already booked, and it wasn't. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to either tell them the truth or tell them to speak to you. And he was a little bit taken aback, so there was a risk involved, but actually, through that, through being honest, I think 
my boss actually, I found quite a, quite a lot of favour with him recently. Um, I've needed a day off and I didn't have any holiday and he managed to find a way to make that happen. So um, sometimes it's just that initial risk and I think generally when we act with integrity, we do, we do find favour. Sometimes not, but often we do. Um, that top right one is quite interesting. It's the choice of courage over comfort, choosing what's right over what's fast, fun or easy. Uh, and choosing to practice our values rather than simply professing them. And I think that's the key, the key one really, practicing rather than just professing. It's about um, not just saying what we believe, not just having those principles, but actually living a life that, that communicates those principles to those around us. We had, um, uh, those of you that work in certain companies have probably heard of ISO 9001. Any not? Yeah. So ISO 9001 is a... Um, a standard that a company can apply for and it basically says that your processes are sound and you do what you say you're going to do. You can produce an utter heap of junk as long as you've only ever said you're going to produce an utter heap of junk. So it's about processes, the quality of your processes, not the quality of what you deliver. <clears throat> and uh, we, 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 when we were starting off in that process at Ford, there was a poster that went round that had the phrase, I'm sure it was stolen from somewhere else, say what you mean, mean what you say, and do it. And it's quite, you know, saying what you mean is saying what's in your heart, don't talk in riddles, don't, uh, don't try and deceive people, but actually saying what you mean. Meaning what you say is, well, I'm actually going to follow through on this thing that I said, and doing it is, is the following through. And I think it's quite, not, not to be confused with the northern saying of say what you like and like what you'll say, <laughs> which is quite different. Um, <laughs> sorry. Northerners. <laughs> um, right, so let's have a look at some of the keys to uh, integrity. I'll have to reach that way because I can't read the other one. Um, so we have our conscience. That's one of the things. Jamie touched on that a moment ago. Um, that little internal voice that nags us when something's not quite right. Um, that verse is the one about um, our thoughts uh, accusing, even defending us. So, you know, even in our own head, we have that opportunity to... Um, to make a decision and to stop ourselves and, and go the right way. Um, then we've got confession's quite important, and I think there's two parts of confession. Uh, that particular verse talks about us confessing our sins to God and him forgiving us and pu purifying us, which is restoring our integrity. But I think there's also something in um, confessing to the people around us. There's another verse, which I actually haven't put up there, about confess your sins to one another daily, isn't there? Um, and I think that's, that's important so people know where we're at and we can ask for help with the things that we're struggling with. Um, and then there's confrontation, which is people able to speak into our lives, people able to, to spot when something's not going quite right. That, um, that verse there, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, we know that the Bible wasn't written in English, right? Yeah. So, obviously, that, there's a little phrase underneath that. That comes from the Greek word, shall I try and pronounce it? Yeah. Parakaliete. <laughs> <laughs> Generic European accent. <laughs> um, so, that, that comes from uh, the word para, which means alongside, and kaleo, to call. So, that talks about um, a bit more than just well done, Jamie, that's great this morning. So, I'll give you a little example. 
few weeks ago, Noah did a cross-country race, and we were there watching him, and as he came past, go on, Noah, go on, good stuff, and off he went, shooting off towards the finish. So there's not much involvement there. I mean, there was quite a lot of involvement in other ways, but if you, if you compare that to um, a race I ran with Hannah earlier in the year, which I'm sure she could tell you all about, where I was running with her, and uh, she had suffered an hour and 45 minutes of my encouragement. <laughs> but but the, the key, the important thing was, because I was running alongside her, I knew when we were slowing down. I knew when we needed to pick up the pace. I could see when she was struggling, when she maybe needed to have a drink and wasn't thinking about drinking. So there was that sense of being alongside, knowing what was going on, knowing what was needed, and being able to input. And I think without that... Um, Without that closeness, encouraging becomes, well, done, Jamie, that was good this morning, or go on, Noah, great race, and not, come on, we can do this. We can get there, and we can do it in the time you want, and we can get there, and it can be a success. And um, I think that's, that's really important that we give people license to talk into our lives like that, to give people license to be that close. I'm not ever quite sure I got that from Hannah on that race, but, <laughs> but she got it anyway. <laughs> but, you know, without people that are that close that can see when we're struggling, you know, maybe not when we're stopped completely, but when we're just a little bit off the pace, maybe not when we're, we're sat on a curb by the side of the road, but when we're just, just veering off a little bit or, or not paying attention, it's that sort of thing. You know, if people aren't that close enough, everyone can see if you stop at the side of the road and sit on a curb and give up completely, that's quite obvious. But when you're, when you're just drifting or easing off the pace or concentrating on something else, people can't see that. And we need to give certain people around us that licence to, to really talk into our lives and really um, impact us. And I think, you know, for me, I feel God's just really kicked things on with me recently, just spending time in Sierra Leone. And perhaps not the impact you'd think of, of seeing how life is different and how God works out there, but actually a lot of it was just, just spending time with Nathan and Mark and just every, you know, every meal time. Uh, Nathan's <laughs> nodding wisely. <laughs> but just, just having that, that chance to just, just keep inputting a couple of three times a day and it was just that chance to talk back and forth and just you know, listen really and, and, and give time to, to hear those things. And I think sometimes... You know, in a busy family with things going on, all school runs and clubs and all that sort of thing, we sometimes don't have that opportunity. And I think that was one of the real keys for me in Sierra Leone was God giving me that, that time to just sit. I can have a meal time without having to wipe anything off, off the floor or pick a kid up or, you know, get Noah down because he's doing something else when he should be eating. We had to do it with Mark a couple of times, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just that time and just... You know, there wasn't an overt conversation where I said, Nathan and Mark, I give you the, the license this week to speak into my life. But there was that, you know, I did. I, I, I was open and uh, I was up for that sort of input. Um, there is, we use in engineering the word integrity. We talk about structural integrity or the integrity of a system. And uh, what that refers to is the ability of a system to, to stay in one piece to perform the task it's meant to perform for the period that it's designed to perform that task for. So we often, I mean, I don't work in shipbuilding, but we talk about the integrity of the hull of the ship. Now, if the integrity of that ship's hull is broken, something like that happens. It sinks. So it's really quite important to maintain the integrity 
of that hull. Now, if it gets hit by a, a, a bomb or a torpedo, it's going to go down pretty quick. If it's got a little, a little leak, it's going to go down, but it's going to take longer. And I think we can, we can be like that. We can be a little leak, or it can be something big. And I think if we go back to that previous slide, and this, this may help some of you, it may not, but in, in relation to that, sort of, some people think graphically, didn't they? So if you're thinking about the ship's hull, imagine you were responsible for working in the ship's hull, maybe not on the maintenance team, but you saw a little bit of something that you thought, hmm, there's a bit of a problem there, I can, I can fix that, just a little something that just needs a, a bit of sealant on it or something like that. That's, that's a, like the idea of that internal voice. It's something I know is not right, and I know I can kind of sort this out myself, uh, just a little thing, and we can get on with life. Um, then there's maybe, confession would be like, right, there's a, a bolt missing here, I don't know where to get the bolts from, in our, where I work, we raise a maintenance request and the maintenance team will come and do that. So it's like, actually, there's something not quite right here. I need a little bit of help with this. Um, and you call the appropriate person to come and help you. And with us, it might be confessing to God and God can do something, or it might be saying to a friend, I'm really struggling with this issue or that issue. Perhaps you could come and help me. And confrontation would be a bit like the ISO thing I was talking about before. It's about opening yourself up for external evaluation and external audit. We all take our cars for an MOT, don't we? Hopefully. So we, you know, we open our car up for external scrutiny for someone to say, yep, that's fine, good for another year, or actually, no, we need to look at this. And uh, I have no idea if that happens in shipbuilding, but I'm sure they, they have external inspections where they will come and do that. And that's like us you know, giving people that license to talk into our life, saying, this is me, you're close enough you, know, you spend time with me and my family, perhaps. You see me shout at the kids or not or whatever. And, you know, you've got that license to just see that little bit deeper into my life and to be able to, to pick up the things that maybe I don't want to confess or I don't want to give up. But I'm giving you license to spot the things that maybe I can't or don't want to spot myself. So that might be another way of helping you think about it. And that's Noah's little uh, finish. <laughs> okay, we have a Dear John. Dear John, I have recently been confronted on some issues regarding integrity. Apparently, the way I was talking about another member of my development group when they weren't there wasn't the right thing to do. Well, I listened to what my development leader said and I've stopped gossiping about this woman. I even started inviting her around when I invite the other group ladies around to watch a DVD or play games. I mean, I didn't talk to her much and thankfully I haven't had to have her on my team in any games. But I know I'm doing the right thing now by being nice to her. The thing is, it just doesn't feel very nice. This integrity stuff is hard work. Every time I see her, I realise I don't really want her there. And having to bite my tongue when other people are going on about how wonderful she is takes some effort. Anyway, now this woman has invited me to her birthday party next week. What can I do? I really don't feel like going, but it's not like I can talk to anyone else about it. I suppose I have to go. Please help. Yours, Kemi. We're not referring to April again, are we? 
All right. See, God's not interested in us just getting it right on the outside. This whole thing is about it being right on the inside. And what it comes down to is this. We choose to do the right thing. Somebody was faithful to her and said, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not right. She decided, all right, she wouldn't do it. So on the outside, she was okay. But God doesn't look on the outside, God looks on the inside. Well, here's a dilemma. We can change how we behave, we can accept the invitation to the birthday party, we can play the games or whatever it was, or the DVDs. All that's on the outside. Meanwhile, God is looking at the heart. God is saying, is your heart clear towards this person? Are you loving them? in the way that I have instructed you to love them, even as I've loved you. So there's an issue. We can moderate, we can change the behaviour, but we can't change how we feel. I mean, you just can't change your feelings. It's there, it's inside. But that's when we come to the realisation we have a supernatural God. A God that can do in us what we can't do in ourselves. A God who can actually enable us to change how we feel, not just how we are on the outside. That's the whole purpose of living from a different life source. It's the whole purpose of actually having a power to live differently. I choose to do the right thing, and then I say, Lord, please help me and change me on the inside so that my heart attitude is pleasing to you, not just my outside behavior we have the opportunity to engage to connect into the, the the applied power of God to live in a way that's pleasing to him on the inside not just on the outside okay story time so here's another nine stories so come and pick one okay what story would we like to hear first? Sadie. Okay, the evangelist fakes the evangelist's fake report. Right. I was um, in my former life. I was uh, assistant to a national evangelist and worked in crusades and that sort of thing. In the denominational magazine, various reports were given, and I opened it one day and found this glowing report of a crusade that I'd written. But I hadn't written it. My name had just been put to it. So I felt that was a complete uh, breakdown on integrity. So first thing I did was to confront the person concerned because it wasn't untrue the content but it was untrue that who'd signed it and so we don't really believe that's right so that was an interesting conversation which kind of went along the lines don't you ever do that again in love if, if the content was true why weren't you prepared just to let that one slide? 
because it wasn't me that had written it and it's been presented as me writing it because it was more probably more convenient for me to give a glowing report than for him to give a glowing report about his own crusade. Okay, another story. Lucy. Richard Cole rejecting UNICEF money. Yeah, way back at the beginning, um, in the early days, there was money flowing in uh, to Sierra Leone uh, via UNICEF, and it was distributed by uh, local agencies on the deal that they gave you money and you um, gave a little something back to the people that gave it to you. Richard quite rightly saw that as corruption, and together we decided we would stand outside of that and basically trust God and manage without that. That could have been very useful, uh, except uh, for it would have meant compromising what we really believe. We didn't feel it was appropriate to give money back. There's a, another one, just kind of a bit different, was uh, I was uh, in British Airways once and I thought I picked up the in-flight magazine and uh, there's a story about children affected by water. I thought, oh, I'm interested in that. I flicked through to it and I thought, oh, I recognise this story. And amazingly, it was a leading international charity that had taken our story and presented it as their work. I, I think we have to recognise that we live in a world, and of course I complained to British Airways and they had some excuse, but uh, we live in a world where this lack of integrity is a normal thing. Everybody does it, if it works. But God calls the people to show what he's like. And integrity is a very, very attractive thing to people when it applies to other people. Not so much when it applies to themselves. Okay. Yes. Okay. Raining cash on Ethiopian Airlines. Yeah, I was travelling from uh, Addis Ababa to uh, Harare. plane wasn't very full, uh, but I was sitting next to uh, a Muslim guy, and we'd had some very interesting conversation. Uh, and at a given point, we saw quite a wad of money laying in the gangway. I mean, right by us. And I looked at him, and he looked at me. It was a moment of decision. You know, the Christian or the Muslim could have picked it up, and nobody would have known any difference. But together. We agreed, no, it's not ours, and so we sought out who dropped it there and uh, returned it to them. It's integrity. Okay, another story? Handbrake. Okay, handbrake. Cover, covering nakedness or dishonesty? Yeah. Well, you can decide about this, all right? Um, at one stage, when I was uh, in the Pentecostal church and I was being uh, given some quite a lot of training sort of opportunity, the, the pastor, who was not the best driver in the world, uh, he took me for a week's uh, evangelistic thing in some little place up in 
I don't know, Lincolnshire somewhere. And we were, he was driving. And we were at this certain point, and he was trying to reverse into a parking place. And the car kept stalling. And I realized that the reason it kept stalling was because he hadn't taken the handbrake off. So while he's looking round, I just took the handbrake off for him. You don't think that was, you don't think that was an issue of lacking integrity? No. <laughs> Anyone? Do you? I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what you're up against. <laughs> um, anyone else? You think it's lacking integrity, or you got a different one? Okay. Put your hands up if you think that was okay what he did. Put your hands up if you don't think it was okay what he did. No. Did he have a sense of humour? You, you wouldn't have a good laugh in that situation. <laughs> You're talking about somebody who's so high up that, yeah. I mean, he's just below God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Vic, what's your story? Stooling the coach. And you all think I misspelt it, but I didn't. I don't think these stories should be used to expose me. Right, we were on a holiday. We decided to go on one of these tours where you all pile into a coach. And we're all there waiting to go off to somewhere or other. And there's one who is missing, who shall remain nameless, was one of my children with a reputation of being rather slow and delayed in getting ready. Eventually, he arrived. Eventually he arrived, and man, did I tell him what for. I was, I guess, embarrassed. There's a whole coach waiting. He's always late. We've always said it took two of us to get him ready, and the other kids managed on their own. Uh, and so this was it. After I had finished directing him in a better way of life, he said, but Dad, I couldn't help it. I had diarrhea, I couldn't get off the lavatory. <laughs> so integrity was recognising I was wrong and being ready to ask forgiveness for it. Okay. Another story? To bribe or not to bribe. So this is more of a philosophical, isn't it? Yes, all right. I, I can't think what, if this was a specific... It's not a specific... Oh, it's not a story. Okay, I'm trying to think of the story. Okay, well, we don't believe in bribing, um, and that's it. Okay? Uh, but what about the time when we were invited to help get one of the guys uh, in Iraq released as against him being executed. And we did. See, guys, all I want to say is this. 
it's very easy to just make rules. I think that we have principles, we recognize that we live by principle, but we also got to know at a given time it's a principle and God's given us something else to do. And I think if I go back to Richard Cole, probably most of the time he would never engage in that. But there were certain occasions when he saw that it was correct and right. I can think of many where he didn't. I can remember being in an airport in Guinea and this huge, I was with Keith Marsh uh, and we were sat down somewhere in a corner and Keith's saying to me, there's a huge, there's a huge confrontation going on over there. You could hear it across this big airport and the confrontation, I said, don't worry, it's just Richard Cole. Uh, they were trying to charge him for excess luggage and he decided he wasn't, he wasn't going to pay. Uh, it was just, you know, a backhander. So, yeah. Yep. Okay, just on the back of that one, let me ask you the... Um, make it law or risk compromise. Okay. As we've worked with uh, other groups that have a more legalistic approach, we reached a situation uh, with one very well-known group and we were going to be engaged in a, a kind of outreach thing with them. In order to do that, they said, uh, you have to have all your people sign that they will not, that they don't drink or smoke. I said, no. Interested that it's drink or smoke. It's not about moving away from integrity. There's nothing on the pledge to say, don't gossip, don't steal, don't talk about other people. Well, he said, you won't do that. You're happy to engage in compromise. I said, let me explain to you. It would be a far greater compromise for me to impose on people things which are contrary to what we see in the Word of God. Now, we're not saying the Word of God says to smoke and drink. We're saying that there are individuals that have to decide these things in the light of what God is setting upon them. You can't make laws just because it's convenient. In the past, it doesn't really apply now, but in the past... Uh, People have said to me, uh, if, if there's going to be a party, why don't you just ban alcohol? Because I can't do something that the Bible doesn't do. It would be an utter compromise to engage in legalism as a convenience uh, to resolving something. So integrity would be completely out the window because you're suddenly coming up with rules just because it's convenient to do so rather than it's Bible-based. So let's just finish off now and think about what we've heard. Um, I want to just focus on a particular thing. Do you know, I think I said this before, but probably after nearly 40 years, there's many things that you've heard that I've said before, but you know, that's your joy, privilege of hearing it more than once. 
There's some things which I think really ought to be in the Bible, but they're not. Yeah? And that Shakespearean thing, above all else, to thine own self be true, is one of those things. Now you can find similar things in the Bible, but, you know, it's English, it's not Greek or Hebrew, so it has a particularly nice way of putting it, which we appreciate. But I want to just kind of finish on that, that question about maintaining personal integrity. It's not about the outside, and of course... We know that that's loved by people. Never yet met a boss who was unhappy because people turned up on time to do their work. Everybody likes that external thing. But this is where, you know that little voice, uh, whether it's through somebody or whether it's from God direct, little voice of our conscience. And it's about, are we prepared to hear and to respond to what's, what we're believing about ourselves. Or we can convince ourselves, we can come up with an argument, we can present every reason, even to ourselves, why we shouldn't do something or why this thing is okay. But the question is, am I hearing that true voice, that voice of God? Am I hearing what God's saying about me? And I think that's where we could finish today on the basis of that's a risky thing to do. The risk is, Lord, is there something that you're bringing to me that I've somehow managed to bury? I've somehow managed to come up with arguments that are very convincing, but there's still that little sense that, hmm, Am I actually walking with integrity? Am I listening to my own conscience commentary on me? Am I listening to what you would say, and what you're saying, but I'm blocking it out and I'm somehow managing to get away? This is an opportunity to say, Lord, I want to listen and respond to what you're saying. I'm choosing to lay down my clever arguments. I'm choosing to lay down my alternative ideas because I want to walk open, pure and true in integrity before you. Yeah? Let's pray. Search our hearts, Lord. Grant that we may hear your voice of truth above even our own inner arguments or externally imposed ideas. Lord, that we might walk conscious that man looks on the outside, but you look on the thoughts and intents of the heart. Help us, Lord, to, in these days, not just hear about things, not just talk about integrity, but take a step, a new step, an additional step in walking in integrity by your grace and for your glory. Amen.